Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. <clears throat> Brother Jones's lesson once again dovetails with, with, with my message today. been a very crazy hectic week i keep getting asked well, how's it feel being retired i don't know i'm not sure yet how it feels to be retired i, I have not gone and clocked in at the collinsville fedex location for uh i don't know three three and a half months now since uh may 28th was my last day on the job but i still have not felt like i've kind of gotten rested up yet things have been kind of topsy-turvy and and uh, I think this message is just going to, if it doesn't help you, just allow me to preach to myself today. Just allow me to preach to myself. Philippians 3.13, Paul writes, Brother and I count not myself to have apprehended. I like that he says that about himself. I don't got it all together. I haven't figured it all out yet. I've not grasped everything. I've not apprehended it yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I just want to preach a message that I've entitled, This One Thing. Just one thing. Anybody feel, you don't have to raise your hands. This is kind of a rhetorical question. Anybody feel like you're in the midst of something that's kind of got you overwhelmed? You're just a little bit snowed over. You really don't have all the answers that you, you'd like to have. I've got a feeling this, this lesson is going to help you today. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. God bless you for standing so long. Thank you, Sister Graham and our music team. It's no surprise to most of us. I, I think maybe our children, I can remember back to being a child, just, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old how uncomplicated life was, you know, mom got you up, laid out your clothes, you know, got your breakfast ready, you just had to walk in and eat, off to school you went, learned a few things that day, came home, played with your friends, you know, got ready for church on Sundays and Wednesdays, and all those things that being a child, all those pressures and stresses and that complicated life had not come down, but as we grow older and as we mature and as we go off into life, um, ten, things tend to get a little complicated. We get jobs and we get into relationships and uh, things take place on the job and we buy houses and we, we start accumulating different things that we feel like that help us fit into society and, and just get through everyday life and we try to get ahead and maybe save a little money back go on a vacation here and there, and, and the, the complexities of life can sometimes just, just sometimes come crashing down around our ears and make things just, just almost unbearable at times. I really don't know what people that don't know the Lord do in times like that. I mean, we've suffered loss. We've suffered loss here. I've suffered personal loss. We've, we've dealt with very serious illnesses and sicknesses in our family. I, I've had to say goodbye to friends. I've had to say goodbye to family members. And, and there's times uh, 
when, when, when I have gone to bed at night just feeling so buried in, in grief or tragic loss or things that I don't know how I'm going to ever get through, but somehow, some way, God is always there stepping with us, leading us right through the midst of those dark times. And for that, I'm very appreciative to the Lord today. There are times when it feels like we're bombarded on every side with decisions to make and some decisions may not be life-changing, but then there are others that, that are life-changing. There are some times when you feel like you've just got to have this one thing, and when you get it, you come to realize that really you don't have it at all. It has you. Kind of like a fish in the water that sees the sparkly, shiny thing that's, that's cruising along the top of the water and it says, I've just got to have that. I'm hungry for that. And he snatches that in his mouth, and the next thing you know, He's not take it back, taking it back to, uh, to, to the depth of the water. It's dragging him out of the water. We all go through times like that. That's life. It's part of living in this world that we're in. We're faced with innumerable outcomes that sometimes leave us more baffled than we already were. And we deal with a life that's full of variables and inconsistencies, and, and there's no playbooks that can guarantee success. There are even times that you may do the right thing and still wind up in hot water for doing the right thing. Anybody follow the stock market at all, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's really not too much that we can really completely depend upon in this world that we know is going to be there in the future. Things change. I'm still baffled at how one day can be so different from the next, and sometimes from hour to hour. There are days when it seems like everything's just cruising along, and any choice that I make, there's no wrong choices here. Where do you want to eat today? Well, that's, I don't know. Uh, how about Texas Roadhouse, or how about Longhorn Steakhouse, or, or uh, I'm even up for McDonald's. Uh, you know, I'm not too picky. Any of those choices will make me happy. I, I'm not, uh, I, I don't have that distinguished palate to, that I don't worry about it. Just give me some food, and, and I'm pretty good to go. Any choice will do. There's no wrong choice, but then there's other days when there is no right choice. Anybody been there? where you're literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. And any choice you make is going to have devastating consequences to it. That's a tough place to be. We know that. For me, sometimes it's just hard to get up in the morning and be in a good mood. My wife can tell you, I need a cup of coffee first. Coffee, then conversation. Coffee, then questions. She's the early riser, and I don't sleep in late. I'm usually up by around 6.30, but she's the 5 o'clock in the morning person. She's up, and she's read her Bible, and she's had a little prayer time, and now she's thinking about the day, and her mind goes past the day into the week, and what are we going to do about this? And she lines it all out, and I come dragging into into the living room like this, looking for a cup of coffee, and I don't have my glasses on, and, and I sit down, I'm just like, oh, I feel like I've been beat up. I don't feel like I've got a good night's rest, and she, she's wired, uh, you know, 220, ready to take on the day, and I'm just like, oh, my word, and she'll say, well, what are we going to do about this, and I'm like, that's one question. What are we going to do about this? I said, think about your second question, because that's your limit. That's all we're going for the next 30 minutes. 
you got a two-question limit. Does anybody else do that, or am I just weird that way? Oh, thank you, Sister Light. Just give me a little time to wake up. And so we've developed this system where she realizes that my mind is still a little foggy and that if I do answer her, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to stick to that answer because I probably wasn't thinking straight when I answered her in the first place. Need a little Java going through my system. I want to wake up chipper. I want to wake up and pop out of bed. I, this guy I used to work with, he's like, man, I, I, I told him, I said, I hit that alarm so many times, that snooze button so many times. He's not, not me. I'm usually waking up five minutes before the alarm goes off. And I roll out of bed. I said, I'll lay in bed for 30 minutes before I can even move, before I can even think about getting up out of bed. Not me. I'm up and I'm thinking about the day and moving forward and I just want to punch him. Thirty-three years I worked at FedEx, and 27 of those years I worked the day shift, and we started early. And so uh, my best friend that I would work with, my coworkers, they all knew, don't mess with Doug for the first 30 minutes. Let him get woke up. Leave him alone. Life can just be confusing at times. Try to figure things out. You know, we are flawed, and we're prone to make choices based upon how we feel rather than what's right. That's our nature as humans. It's our fleshly nature. I'm rather certain that 75% of our problems would disappear if we just live by what is right rather than how we feel in that moment. That is the important, let me say, I'm just going to do a Wednesday night plug right here. That is the importance of Wednesday night. On Sundays, we, we deal with the emotion, the spiritual things. But on Wednesday night, what do we do? We drive that word into your intellect. We, we, we try to feed the mentality. We try to feed the mind with the word of God. Why? Because the word of God, David said, it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. It keeps me from making bad decisions. It keeps me from stumbling and falling. The word is important for you to have in your life if you want to know how to live right instead of just wandering around on your own. Last night, we got home about 10.30. We had a full day. We were up and moving by about 8 o'clock in the morning out and about, and we were going, and we ran down to Ava, took care of that. We had a birthday party to go to. We dropped the kids off. We went straight, drove an hour to go to uh, see brother-in-law and sister-in-law with all the other family members up there for a while, and we got home about 10.30 last night, and I told my wife, I said, uh, it's 10.30 at night. I said, I have two sermons that I have to get ready, and I don't have anything down. So she... She went off to bed, and I went into my office and began, and the Lord just began to bless me with, with, with you know, it just began to flow, and I began to type things out. I'm moving rather quickly. It's all coming rather easily. I'm knocking one of the sermons out. I figure I'll get up, uh, you know, early this morning and take care of the other one and get things put together. I, I, I still haven't figured out how to not be this last-minute kind of guy. I, I work well under that kind of pressure. And so uh, here I am, and I about got it, and I'm getting really excited because I'm thinking I'm about ready to be able to go on to bed. It's, it's getting to be about 1230, uh, quarter to one at that point. I need to get to bed. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. And I hit a button, and all of a sudden, blip, everything was gone. You ever wanted to throw your computer through the window? 
gone. My wife said, you came to bed late. I said, yeah. I said, there's a reason for that. I had to start all over again. And you know how the first time it just feels so perfect that you want it to, and you know that you're missing something. So I'm trying to pick up my mind and, and work it back just the way that I had it before. And so finally I wrap it all up. I finish it all up. It's, it's about 1.15 in the morning, and I was up so late that I thought, I'm kind of hungry. Now, I know nobody else raised the fridge in the middle of the night. This is something I never, ever do unless I'm already up. And my daughter Mallory said made some of that macaroni and cheese, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, the, the stuff you get in a box uh, off the shelf at Walmart. I'm talking about mac and cheese with the buttery crackers on top and the, the cheese. She said she bought two big bags of cheese. I mean, I heated... Uh, I, 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 she sent some of that home with us after Reddick's uh, first birthday party the other day. And I said, yeah, I'll take some of that. It was so good. And, and I, I had it in the, the refrigerator, and I went and got it, and I big old piece in there. I thought, I'll, j I'll just eat half, you know. The, the doctor said that if you want to lose weight, you need to half your portion. So I did. I halved the portions. I ate one half, and then I went back and ate the other half. Now, my mind was telling me, go to sleep. It's late. My belly was telling me, well, don't listen to what your mind is telling. Don't really go by what you know is the right thing to do because typically eating 1,200 calories of starchy mac and cheese at 1.30 in the morning, not going to be really the best thing to kick off your day. But I went ahead and followed how I felt instead of what I knew. It tasted good in the moment. But this morning, brothers and sisters, oh, my wife, she said, you okay? I said, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. It's a terrible thing to follow your feelings when they go against your knowledge of what is right. But it feels so good in the moment. It tasted so good, even though I knew what I was eating wasn't going to be the best thing later on down the road. I get it. We struggle. We struggle. I struggle. You struggle. Sometimes it, it's like there's so many decisions to make and battles to face that we feel like we don't sometimes even know what to do. When I was a kid, my father used to head off to work. He'd catch me in the morning before I would go to school and get us sent off to school. And then when I got home, about he was heading off to work at 1 o'clock. So when I got home from school, he would... He would be at work, and he wouldn't get home until I was in bed later on that night, 11 o'clock or so, work second shift at the coal mines. And, and so he would oftentimes let me know that he wanted something done. I, you know, when I get home today, uh, I'm going to take care of this and this, but I want you to do this one thing for me, okay? 
I'd say, sure, Dad, what is it? And he'd tell me whatever the job was, and then he, I would go off to school, and, and he would come home from work. And I would think about it, know that I was supposed to do what he told me to do, and it wasn't anything major, big, or anything like that. It wasn't like it was going to take me four or five hours the rest of the evening to follow his instructions. But, but I would get home from school like most kids, and all the other kids would come outside and play, and I would think in my mind, now, Dad told me I needed to do this, but Dad's not home right now. And so I would do what I wanted to do instead of what I knew to do. I'd do what I wanted to do instead of what my father instructed me to do. But there were a couple of times when Dad got home, and you could always hear him come down the road. He drove, I don't even know what year it was. But gentlemen, you, I was embarrassed. I would never let him drop me off at, at, at right in front of school. You know how all the kids hang around a certain place in high school, and I'd make Dad stop right here, let me out across the street, and then I'll walk across the highway over to where my friends are at, drive away quietly and carefully. But no, no, not, not Denny Rice. Nope, he'd be in the loose gravel. Next thing I'd know, he'd shove that thing down in first gear, rev up the engine real loud. It'd start kicking and sputtering. The clutch was slipping and rocking and rolling and dust was flying. And everybody, all my friends, would look over and see the crazy man in the black Ford pickup truck dropping off Doug Rice to walk across the street and go to high school. That truck made a racket. You could hear it coming from a mile away. The fenders flopped. The clutch was bad. I mean, it jerked and jolt until you got it rolling. He'd give me that one job, and I, I would put it off, and there were a couple of times I remember Dad coming home before I thought he would. call in sick for a day, be out and about, just take a day off, What? and I didn't realize it. He'd be pulling down the road, and I'd be out playing with my friends, and all of a sudden I would hear that truck coming. And these little skinny Doug Rice legs would take off across the yards, and, you know, I'm trying to beat Dad home so I could look like I was doing the, doing the work, but it never fooled him. Dad wasn't a screamer. Dad never... I got my share of whippings, you know. Didn't hurt me too bad. Dad wasn't abusive at all. My dad, he'd go quiet on me, Brother Glenn. He'd look at me, that disgusted look. He'd say, I ask you to do one thing. One thing. I didn't tell you you couldn't go outside and play with your friends. I didn't tell you that, I didn't give you a, a task that was over your head or overwhelming or going to take up the rest of your evening. I didn't say that you couldn't enjoy some time doing what you want to do, but I did tell you to do one thing. And because I didn't do the one thing, it ruined the rest of my evening. Now I'm in trouble. Now I've disappointed my father. was something that needed to take priority first. Well, the word of the Lord is pretty specific. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these other things. All these other things will be added. It's not really that difficult. I'm not saying it's always easy. It's not always easy 
to do the one thing that the Lord wants you to do. It's not always easy, is it, Jonah, to go down to Tarshish and preach a message of deliverance to a, a, a ferocious people that have become your enemies. It's not easy to overcome the way you feel about, uh, about a certain thing sometimes. Sometimes there's some very deep-rooted bitterness and even hatreds inside of us, and God says, listen, if you're ever going to have every other thing I want you to have, you've got to first take care of the one thing. So many of us want everything else and then give God the leftovers. God says, seek you first, my kingdom. Then I add the other things to you. This great writer of the New Testament, Paul, this leader of men, this man of God was a man of struggles. And I'm not talking about just struggles with other men, with other people. He was a a man of God that had struggles within himself. He goes on to write some of the most, you got to really read it slow because it's like Paul is saying, um, this one thing that I would do, I don't do, and the thing that I should do, uh, that, that I don't do, and, and what I don't do, that's, that's what I should be doing. And, and it's kind of, you got to really just kind of process the whole way of thinking. But basically what Paul is saying is, I don't do everything that I should be doing, and some things that <coughs> I shouldn't be doing, and I know I shouldn't be doing, but I do them anyway. He struggled. So he writes to the Romans, you know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, he qualifies it because he's got God living in him. He says, there's nothing about my sinful nature that is that is good. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Anybody else ever been where Paul is at right here? Oh, I really shouldn't. <laughs> oh, that looks good. Too. I really shouldn't do this. I, I shouldn't. I'm going to pay for this. We know we shouldn't do some things. And I'm not just talking about eating. That's just an example. There's some things that we find ourselves doing that while we're doing them, we know we're going to pay a price. We know it's not the right thing to do. And yet we go on and do them anyway. We're not so unlike Paul. There's a struggle within us. And yet, you'll find that in the end, Paul left this life victorious. And, and I really want to know the key to that. Because I'm a whole lot like Paul, and I think you're a whole lot like Paul too. I think that there's things that you face in your everyday life that leave you baffled. I think that there's times that you go through a day and you don't know if really what you're doing is the right thing or not and you're just trusting in the Lord but your heart is in the right place. And then I think there's other times when we do some things in our life that we really think that it's probably not the best thing to do but we decide to go ahead and do them anyway and just hope for the best. So he looks... He addresses Timothy, 
these beautiful words of encouragement and instruction for the young man that he sees promise in. He tells Timothy, watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. You know, I, I've got to say this. There will be times in your life where your friends will feel like your enemies if they're true friends. And there will be times in your life where your enemies will pretend to be your friends. And you have to know and understand how to discern between the two when those times comes. A true friend will not just tell you what you want to hear. A true friend will tell you what you need to hear. And there is no friend greater than Jesus Christ. And his word is not going to change just because we don't like it or just because society has changed or just because uh, uh, some something in this world goes against it. But this word is going to stand, and we're not going to be judged by what society thinks of us. I'm not going to be judged by my neighbor across the street. I'm not going to be judged by my coworker. I'm not even going to going to be judged by my wife, but I'm going to stand before the Lord and be judged according to this word that he's written, and his word does not ever change. It remains the same. It's the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's the same forever. Watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, make full proof thy ministry, for I'm now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. That's a pretty way of saying I'm about ready to be executed. Kind of like we like to soften the blow for our children if somebody's about ready to leave this earth. Honey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to a better place. Paul looks at Timothy says, my departure is almost here. My ride into glory is almost here. When it came down to it, they came and they took his life. And he was all right with that because he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, kept the faith. Would our music come today? Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not only to me, but unto all them that also love his appearing. So he tells Timothy in verse 9, he says, Do thy diligence. There's no successful Christian that has ever found a great place in the kingdom of God, they'll never find where they got there just by winging it. I was just walking down the street one day. I was just, you know, living homeless. The next thing I knew, I was preaching before thousands. I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got here. No. Paul said, that's not how it happens. You got to be diligent. You got to take this thing seriously. Do thy diligence. Come to me shortly. That word diligence means be consistent, be conscientious, be attentive. Paul was telling Timothy, stay focused on the one thing. Because, Timothy, there's going to be voices that whisper in your ear. 
there's going to be people that want to take you by the hand and lead you in a direction that I don't want you to go and that God doesn't want you to go. There's going to be forces and personalities and promises made. There's going to be lures. There's going to be singing of sirens. You'll hear their call, and they're going to try to make you drift. They're going to kind of try to pull you away from where you need to be, Timothy. And Timothy, I'm not going to be around here much longer to, to correct you. I'm not going to be around much longer to be that voice of reason, that voice of hope, and that voice of truth in your life. You know I love you, son, but I ain't going to be here forever. That's why the word has to be valued. Because I've lived long enough to know that preachers fail. I've lived long enough to see people that I've put trust and confidence in turn and walk away. I've seen people that I thought were rock solid be lured into an entrapment, not realizing the dangers and the devastation that was awaiting them. So Paul simply tells Timothy, remember the one thing. This one thing I do. See, there's those out there that are trying to remind you of your past, but Paul he squashed that. Would you stand with me today? Your past does not define you unless you allow it to. I don't care what mistakes you might have made. I don't care what's happened in your life that you're ashamed of. I don't care if you're carrying guilt in here today for something that you know that you would do different now if you were able to, but that's in your past. You can't change that. Paul had a seated past. Thought he was doing the right thing. We're going to squash this Jesus thing. This Christianity ain't going to last long as long as I'm in charge around here. I'm going to go round up every Christian I can find. I'm going to rip their families apart. I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw them in jails and prison. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to hold the coats of everybody that picks up a rock to, to throw at Stephen. Don't think for a second that the guilt that Paul carried with him every day, that the adversary didn't try to use that against him. But Paul said, I, I can't look back. So I look back, I don't like what I see. That's why I look ahead. And I say this one thing. I forget the things that are behind me. To the best of my ability, I put those things behind me. And I press forward towards the mark. I'm speaking to you today. You may have a lot of confusing things going in your life. You may have a lot of decisions that you've made that you regret. You may wish that you could do things over, but you just can't. There'll be some sorrows that cause you to shed a tear every now and then. 
pain in your heart from something that's happened to you or something that you created on your own that you carry. I've come with a message of hope today. I'm not telling you you've got to fix it all right now. I'm not telling you you'll get confused because it can be overwhelming, but I'm just giving you one thing. Start pressing toward the mark. Don't let your past drag you back and pull you into a vacuum of darkness. Press towards the mark. There's a calling upon every one of you. He died so that you could find salvation. He died so that you could live forever in eternity in a place called heaven that he has prepared for you. He did not prepare hell for you. It was not prepared for you. So why would you want to go to some place that you have not been invited to? But he opens his arms up. Paul said, I'm laying aside the weights of my past. I'm setting aside the weights of my failures. I'm not making excuses because I don't want to miss out what's ahead of me. You can change your destination. That ought to bring all of us hope. But many of you know that my destination was headed in the wrong way at one point in life. But God, in his mercy and his goodness, gave me another chance. It didn't all change overnight. It usually doesn't. It hardly ever does. As a matter of fact, there's still changes God's trying to make in me. There'll be changes until he calls me home to glory. I want them to begin to sing today. As they do, I just want to say one final thing, and then I'm just going to invite those that would like to come to the front and just ask God to touch you today. Serving God isn't about never making any mistakes. Understand that. It's about staying focused on the one thing. You can be knocked off course, but if you continue to head towards the one thing, you can be brought back into alignment with God and His Word. This altar's open. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.